Hello everyone, um, this is the Lawcast. My name is Melanie Thorley and this is Christy Santana and you can see we're in different places at the moment. But pretty well, you just sort of <laughs> geared to me. Um, but you know, different rooms, yeah. different circumstances. So we're, we're, the rules are, for those who don't know the rules here in um, South East Queensland at the moment, they're in workplaces, we need to wear face masks unless you're in a closed office. So Chris is in the closed office and I'm in the open office. and. Uh, but only for another 43 minutes and then we're right. we'll all good to go. But, um, That's right. But I'm I think about. this week has been a pretty big week, I think, in employment law. Um, <laughs> kick it off, I reckon. Yeah, look, I, uh, as employment lawyers, everyone is really interested in our views on uh, vaccination and the mandatory side of it. And I'm... Uh, I was really fascinated by this from a government perspective because we know that the federal government here has uh, decided not to mandate the vaccinations for all the reasons it's made the decision. But states are, are left open and the industry is left open to do what they want to do. Now, Victorian government basically has mandated vaccinations for authorised workers. And the list is long. Yeah, I had, a, I had a look at it the other day and they were far better off telling you who sh who can't because it's it's like literally scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and air. And without getting into too much detail, I don't think there are, I mean, I don't think there are any employees that aren't caught um, because it's almost every type of employee in almost every type of in industry. Um, for example, us. Um, I'm pretty sure we would be caught. We um, we are caught. We are caught. And if I if I scroll down, it says, to the extent necessary to support the functioning of the court, tribunal, or dispute services mentioned above, other lawyers. So you know, I think it's going to as sales related to the administration of justice, all systems to, to support the maintenance and operation of the services required. I think you're right. It's a, it's a massive list. It's, oh, it's a, yeah. I was trying to figure out who was going to be excluded from this list. And we've always we've always taken it that I'm sure it excludes this imaginary Herbert who just does a job which does not come into contact with anyone and not only not even an indirect contact, like no sharing of of office space, of um, kitchens, uh, hallways, lifts, nothing like like. Yeah, it it has to be. Maybe, I've always thought a lighthouse, a lighthouse yeah, yeah. Uh, operator, maybe, maybe. Is, would they be? Would they be essential services though? I don't know. Uh, you'd probably here. have to ask all the lighthouse <laughs> operators <laughs> out there if Australia has any. Um, then you probably have to ask them. Yeah, they're all automated, maybe. But there's one yeah. here: specialist services at telecommunications stores to support telecommunications as a critical service. It's like there's, there's just so much of it, and uh, it made me think about what's next. And mm. uh, I, I remember telling a client earlier this week that. You know, set aside, set aside mandatory vaccinations um, for industry companies doing it. We've mm. got 
Victorian government's basically done it for everybody that I can think of. And uh, I'm just wondering if it's a wave coming. And I don't know whether I'm right, but it's definitely getting closer to it because on the 5th of October, so Tuesday, mm. um, Western Australian government mandated vaccines for all workers in relation to the energy mm. resource. Doesn't that make up mm. 70, 80% of their workforce, surely? Mm. And it includes office workers as well. Um, so anyone within the company. Um, and once once you, especially in a, in a state like Western Australia, once you tick off both office workers and anyone in mining and energy and resources, you sort of think there can't be too many more. And we already know there's um, mandates in place for frontline workers, airlines, um, and people working within aged care and childcare. So the care services and the care industries are also already caught, frontlines caught, uh, airlines caught. Again, if this is already touching on office workers, then again, there's not too many left. Um, no, I'm just wondering if the wave is coming. Eventually, at some point, each state and territory government is going to mandate to the extent that they want to. Uh, thereby capturing basically 80, 90% of the workforce anyway. Mm. I just, I just wonder. I just wonder. I, I think, I think it probably will, um, because all the states will obviously be watching, and they'll be watching their popularity numbers. And I, I don't think it'll be one where Mark McGowan or, or Daniel Andrews will take a big hit. No. Polls, I, um, and once that becomes clear. I think the others will do the same. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, it will take a sort of a differing view on it. If their polls were to go up, there's every chance. Mm. Um, then I think without a doubt, all of them will do it in a heartbeat, including the federal government. Um, just because, you know, why not? Um, I mean, I, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, mm -hmm. okay. I didn't particularly like the idea of government putting it on business, which, as we know in Australia, is largely small and medium enterprise, mm. by the like, vast majority, yeah. um, to put it on them to make judgment calls um, about what is really an in many respects was an uncertain area. It's becoming more mm. and more certain as we go, but that wasn't necessarily the case when they had asked enterprise or business to do so, and often empathise with mum and dad companies, which, mm, as I said, make mm. up a large proportion of our, our business um, in in Australia. And mm. to ask them to make these calls um, is, I think, very difficult. It's probably unfair on on them. Um, it, it is tricky, isn't it? I, I, you know, let's set aside all the debates about the vaccination. I'm not, I, I don't want to be yeah, I just, I'm not entering into a conversation about the vaccination, good, bad, ugly, whatever. I just, I, I wonder about this concept of choice. Um, when, well, when, when industry does it, businesses mandate, people feel like their choice is taken away. Uh, but when it's mandated by the government, people feel less about their choices being taken away. 
Because mm. we, we have already in Australia this concept where children can't attend childcare without being vaccinated. Yeah, I just I just wonder because you know we've got um, we've got the CFMMEU saying mm. that they look they're never they're not coming out to support vaccinations they're not coming out to not support it what they're saying is they don't like the choice being taken away from their workers and that's from an industry perspective so are they going to fight the government I uh, just I, I wonder I wonder how this is going to don't you think there is a key difference though between a government forcing you and an employer mm. forcing? Yeah, I actually For, do. Forcing, forcing is a is a maybe not the right term because <laughs> I know that we've spoken about this a lot, which is fundamentally even those who are mandated have the right to not be vaccinated, mm. but mm. rights are not unfeathered; they mm. come with responsibilities um, mm. and one mm. of them is if you want to for those particular employees at this stage um, if they want to not be vaccinated then they can't work for that particular employer um, but I think there is a real big difference between an employer mm. mandating and in the government mm. um, one governments are elected mm. if the, if society is so outraged by this by a government mandate then they can vote it out they can, um, they can, and the next guy is, can just change the law. Yeah, there's there's avenues for. I mean, that. of course, we're all vaccinated by that point, but <laughs> we're meant uh, to be getting boosted take, every year. If you, if you take a broader view, <laughs> uh, we voted the people making the decisions, yeah. so they've got a mandate yeah. in order to do yeah. it. I, um, I agree. I agree. It's a it's a much it's a much easier um, pill to swallow when the person we have, and for those of you who are not watching. Uh, in Australia, we have um, compulsory voting here in Australia as well. So it's not like in some other countries where 25% of the population might be choosing who the government is. Everybody gets, everybody must mm. vote here. Every voting age citizen must vote. Mm. It's a right and a responsibility. So yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I'm gonna I'm gonna move out of that topic because we can we can get on a bit of a soapbox there I think and happy to do that but let's let's you probably don't have uh, a fair share of vaccination. I've, been, yeah. <laughs> I've uh, for those who don't know um, I have a ten month old border terrier and uh, I'm in the process of getting another one and the border terrier I'm getting is actually in Victoria now we're in Queensland and the where I need to pick up the puppy is. 1,700 kilometres away. Yeah. So just to, just to show just how long Australia is, yeah. two so capital it's, cities. It's, it's here to here in Australia, and Australia is like this, but yes, it's just here to here. And uh, my decision is to fly down and then pick the dog up and hire a car and drive yeah. back to Queensland. And it is possible for me to drive across the borders from Victoria into New South Wales and uh, but it's not possible at the moment for me to get from New South Wales into Queensland because the borders are shut. And even if I was able to get a pass, there are not enough quarantine hotel rooms to go around. And there are literally thousands of Queenslanders mm. stuck somewhere else. But they, uh, the Queensland government announced uh, yesterday that they were going to trial home quarantine 
for those vaccinated. Yes. Fully vaccinated. Uh, the, yeah, there's some requirements, isn't there? There is, there is, and and this is this this leads. It's, it's a very uh, we've been very controversial today uh, for those who are listening and watching. We we're not normally we we never call them. We we don't, but we're never quite this controversial. But I, I was trying to figure out, you know, all the people. I am assuming by now everybody who wants to be vaccinated has either got an appointment or has been vaccinated. I just can't see. Uh, I can't. I can't see how many more people are really wanting to be vaccinated but can't get a vaccination. There might be some regional spaces that they're still waiting for appointments, but I just can't see it. So what about the rest? Now, I'm not talking about those who just believe vaccinations are not good. What about those people who are just ambivalent? I don't, can't be bothered. You know, what, what motivates them to go out and wait in a line for whatever amount of time, I'm going to assume an hour, and be vaccinated that has no benefit to them apart from what? You know, so, so now I think at least we've got a bit of a carrot here. Well, I've, I have been calling for carrots from the start. I actually think it should be done. <laughs> I think we've talked about this, about the $100 or the 50 bucks or whatever. That's an inning. Um, it doesn't, I, I really don't think it needs to be complicated. Um, and I would have done it from the start. Um, and little things, anything, people will latch on to, I think, any advantage they can. And those are the people really that are the ones which need to be targeted the most because people who have strong views will always hold strong views. They're not going to be swayed by, even if you put you know, any sort of substantial mm. incentives in place. Um, but for example, when, um, New South Wales was in the gap period and what I mean by that is they were between 70 and 80% mm. while mm. in a lockdown, mm. which meant that there was different rules, mm. uh, for those who were vaccinated and those who weren't. And it was little things. For example, uh, if you were unvaccinated, you were allowed one hour of exercise time. Um, and if you were vaccinated, you were allowed two hours. Um, okay. Now, I'm not certain I understand the correlation between the two risks, but putting that aside, just that alone is enough for a lot of people to, because mm. it's also a sign of what's to come. You know, yeah. one, that day was one hour. Next, it's, for example, yeah, the way you mentioned there, it's, um, it's going into home quarantine as opposed to uh, hotel quarantine, which... Uh, do you actually know how much, it is, how much it is? Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's give or take around three grand per person. Per, per person, uh, yeah, it's like give or take. It's around three grand for one person. Mm. It's around four and a half grand for two people, and I think it's around six grand for two people and two children. Yeah, so it's a substantial amount of money. Oh, it's a it's a bundle. Most people won't even spend that on their holidays. Let alone no, come back no. and spend two weeks in a room paying that much. No. And so, yeah, so that, that's just that alone will, I think, get people to. I'm not to... sure it's just the cost. Like, if I picked up the dog and came back in and managed to get hotel vaccine, um, quarantined, it's not just the money for me. It, it's been in a tiny hotel room alone for two weeks, where, whereby, if, and I am fully vaccinated, um, 
if one can be vaccinated, you can just do it at home. And home is where everything you own is. Yeah, (laughs) it's just easier. And I can work easily from there. And the food is all there for me and and all that. Look, I know that there's, there's a lot of rules around this. Like my husband would have to quarantine too and stuff like that. But I think it's a small price to pay for that, that tiny freedom of being able to travel, just that mm. little bit more. Just well, and for a lot of people, it means they can work. Um, I know some, because through all out of all of this, uh, as you can imagine, I know quite a lot of people that have come back to Brisbane. So they've done the two weeks mm. at various stages mm. throughout the pandemic, but they've all done the hotel quarantine. And some of them did do a little bit of work, but it's it's you don't have the full setup you don't have multiple screens you've got you know you've really got a laptop and that's about it um if you have a job which at all needs to leave the office then you know that's out of the question um and the resounding answer from all of them is that they really didn't like it like Mm. it was really really tough what was the food Um, like did they say anything about the the facilities and the food what was was the food like well, see, this is an interesting one. All the people that I know that did it, um, they all did it when there wasn't really a difference in price bracket. My understanding is now there is differing choices. You can you can get a, a, a fancy room if you pay a little bit more. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, now, back when they were doing it, uh, it was really luck of the draw. So I know two people that more or less did it with, it was when um, Melbourne had first gone into that major lockdown last year. Mm, okay. And uh, they both came back sort of a week apart. And one was in the Marriott in in um, Brisbane. And the other one, I think, was just in like an Aurora or something like that. And their experiences are vastly different. One, <laughs> I saw photos he in the Marriott. He had a big spa bath, a king bed, view of the city. The food he said was pretty good. Like it wasn't, it wasn't what you'd normally get at the Marriott, but he said it was mm. um, substantially better than what you get at home. If if that's the kind of gap you can imagine. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Whereas the other experience was not nearly as as good. He said it was just kind of functional. Is probably the best way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Some of these rooms um, are small as well. Like yeah. roughly small. So, you know, just kind of a hotel which does the job and the food that does the job. But he said it wasn't enjoyable, whereas the other guy Did you get other food in? Like, was it, was it, did you have the ability to Uber Eats and stuff like that? I mean, I've heard mixed things about it because I've heard people, uh, you can bring in all sorts of stuff. Like, you, I saw a video of an of a, um, Australian artist. He was quarantining from America and he had bought stuff. Like he bought a PlayStation, he bought a treadmill, he bought a new TV and stuff to bring into the hotel. Um, but then I've also heard that there's limitations about what you can bring in. And I know that they don't allow alcohol in the um, in the rooms. Um, so it's a dry two weeks. Well, probably fair enough. You can imagine the issues you'd have um, if you're having, putting aside the isolation issues, if you're going to have any other issues, then you're really going to have some problems. Um, So, I mean, from all of it, pretty mixed um, Mm. feelings about it, but none of them said they'd do it again. (laughs) 
<laughs> they do it again. If, if that's kind of were they the doing it government. when it was because for a while there the government was paying for it. Did the government pay for this? Yes. Yes. Right. So hence hence why they didn't really have a choice about where yeah, they went. Okay. But if they really didn't want to do it again now and not having to have paid for it, they definitely won't do okay. it again. If, okay. I, I don't think for a doubt that they'd spend $3,000 um, to, you know, potentially just kind of sit around in a hotel room. And, um, but they all had sort of things to do. They kept themselves busy as best they could. Um, mm. One of them was a, he's a PT, so he actually still did his course. Uh, like he ran classes virtually yeah. from his, yeah. his hotel room. Okay, um, okay. They made the best of it, but they, yeah, I don't think they'd do it again. Well, but, I'd much prefer to, to home quarantine in my in my house with, uh, you know, with the pool I have and the backyard and the, you know, it's, it's just, I've got, I've, I have a very comfortable space and it'd be very nice for me to be able to quarantine there and I'd be quite happy to as well. I, I mean, I saw that the preliminary view on, um, a substantial amount of people um, isolating at home was that it wouldn't extend to um, apartments, which is not good for me. Mm. But I can, because you can't, think... I, I can absolutely say I can't um, operate and live at home without exiting my apartment. For example, to put my rubbish away mm. Mm. Um, or, um, or to to kind of access my mail or anything like that. Um, I can't possibly do it, and most buildings are the same. Um, so I can kind of see where they're coming from, but that really cuts out a large proportion of the population, which I is going to be unfortunate. I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm just looking at the um, thing that was published yesterday at uh, midday, and if they do, they're doing the trial with a 1,000 Queenslanders, so that's significant enough. Um, those who applied to Queensland... So the trial is you must be fully vaccinated with at least two weeks of passing having your second dose. You must have a negative test within 72 hours of entry. Uh, use a home quarantine check-in system. No idea what that is. Oh, have a suitable home with a direct entry. I see. I do not have that. I can tell you I don't have that. That would suck. But also the problem you would have is you have a flatmate, right? Yeah. He he's... would have to quarantine. He's in, yeah, so, I mean, he'd do it because he's nice, but um, he'd probably be pretty angry about it, I imagine. Um, Kissed every one, five, and 12 days. Okay. Oh, hang on. You have to arrive by air. No wonder they're making the airport rule. Yeah. Because remember um, the airport rule where you have, to, you have to live within two hours of yeah, the airport? Of put a dot somewhere. They could have you used. You have to arrive by airport. Oh, that's really a pain in the ass. Oops, yeah, my language, a, lot, everyone. a lot of people that are on the border, um, they have their cars, camper vans, tents, things like that, pets. So they actually can't afford to fly. I mean, one, they'll have to go south in order mm. to fly up. Mm. Uh, but in order to pay for the flight and then also all the freight in order to get their cars and et cetera back into the state will be quite – a lot of them I don't think will be able to afford that either. So if I was going to do this, I would. I'm flying to Victoria. I drive back to the Queensland border, 
hand over a puppy that's about this big to my husband, yep. who, and I then drive back to a town that has an airport, fly into Brisbane, and then home quarantine. Yep. Yep. Hi, hey, well, I can feel that. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. I can do that. I can do that. There's probably an airport in. I can in, do that. There's probably an airport in. Um, is it Port Macquarie? Oh, Newcastle has, a, has a airport. It's only eight hours. <laughs> Newcastle is five hours drive from the border. <laughs> I'd be driving five hours away from my home. What about places like, what about a regional flight? Like, I was finding out of Emerald. Surely there's a flight. The problem like is one. they may not offer one, like Qantas may not offer, if not a lot of people are doing that, because I, I doubt they're doing it now. Um, but wow. you're fine. You'll probably find there is the closest airport to Queensland border that more than you are doing the exact same thing. So it yeah. just becomes this busy route for some... This silly hub. Yeah, silly reason. Um, so that may happen. But um, oh, you got to think, though, that post, yeah, 2022 will be a different story. I know I'm going to take this. I'm sure I'm going to look back at this and think that was a silly statement because I was also one of those people that thought... <laughs> Uh, March 20, oh, when did this even begin? 2020? Yeah. Um, I said, oh, it'll be over by June. Um, <laughs> two yeah. months. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought absolutely this would be over in two months. I thought, you know, this is just media hysteria. You know, we've, we've been through other ones before. This is nothing. Uh, and then once June came along and started getting a bit more serious, I was also one of the people that said, I oh, will have a vaccine by August. Really? And it'll be over by like November. Right. Um, so I've been progressively wrong, you're, as you can. You're, you're, um, yeah, you've been really optimistic. I actually didn't think we'd have a vaccine before Christmas this year. Mm. So I didn't think the vaccines were happening until then. I couldn't have, I don't think I could have predicted that the country would be so socially divided. We've got 1,600 cases in Victoria today and zero in Queensland. I just, I, I'm not sure I would have predicted this kind of closed borders, not being allowed into your own, to get to your own home kind of concept. And I actually, I actually feel sorry for the, the, the Australian citizens who, genuinely live in Australia normally who haven't been able to get home. Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about those guys who, you know, like I'm a New Zealand citizen. All of a sudden, I haven't lived in New Zealand for 20 years. All of a sudden, I want to be back in New Zealand, you know. Not not that. But the ones that travelled out in March for a funeral, for instance, or for a wedding, or to go on a holiday to America or something, yeah? Mm. And they just got stuck because they can't get flights back to Australia. I actually feel sorry for those guys because there are still those ones floating around. Don't you think this whole pandemic has highlighted the value of citizenship, I think? Yeah. Is, you know, prior to this, you could be a real global citizen. You know, mm. most, at least as an Australian citizen, you're able to go most places without visas and passports mm. and things. This you just float true. around the world and you can... Um, many places will let you live there pretty well 
indefinitely. Um, you know, you can live in Thailand pretty easily as an Australian citizen um, without any real connection to the to the land. And that's the case for a lot of people. Um, but this is really highlighted just how valuable it is to actually have a citizenship, actually somewhere to think, go back to. Do you think it's made the world a bigger place or a smaller place? Cause Far bigger. When I was when I was in my twenties and I travelled around, it was easy to move from A to B to C to D. I went in and out of Egypt, mm. in and out of Israel, in and out of this, in and out of that. I was, I was going anywhere I wanted to go. When and you know we had media that was almost immediate. We would know whether there was going to be some unrest in a in in a country you're about to go to because mm. you know we we have all that information available to us. Uh, via, you know, almost immediately, you know, not back, not like back in the 70s and 80s where you had to get on a telephone and take a photo and pop it in the post and, you know, do all these other things. We, we've got instant media now. But I don't, I, do, you, do you feel like the world is close or do you feel the world is far away? No. Well, think about London. Right now, London feels almost on a different planet. Mm. Um, when you and the situations people find themselves in couldn't be more vastly different. Mm. Um, you know, I follow quite a lot of English Premier League football, and at the moment they've got full crowds. You look at, into the sort of supporter areas, and they're absolutely chockers like they were before mm. COVID. And then you look at Victoria, where you can't go further than five kilometres. Yeah, and these are both you know, um, you know fully developed countries. You know, as good a livability as one can expect. And they're in vastly different situations. Um, the two different people are living vastly different lives. This, this is true. But also, if you want to travel to England, it is like traveling to Mars. It is literally a one-way ticket. Yeah. With, with no real understanding of when you might be able to get back. No. Um, or, you know, whether there's going to be a spot for you when you get there. And... Um, I dare say traveling and immigration has almost dropped off the, the face at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, at the moment, going to Noosa is a big deal because who knows if you're going to be stuck on the wrong side if you go to Noosa, which is only about 150 kilometers from here. So true. I got, we got locked down when we visited Noosa and well, we we didn't quite get locked down. We, we found out about 10 o'clock in the morning that there was going to be a lockdown at four o'clock that afternoon and we just hightailed it out. I didn't want to be locked in Noosa because I couldn't leave my hotel room. No. So you, you just, no, I just, we, just, we just left. You yeah, so, you know, would you consider going, you know, to Cairns? I mean, because there's every chance you'll find yourself on the wrong side there as well. Paul and I, I mean, Paul and I tried to book tickets to Northern Territory way, way ago, like October last year. But within about three days of coming up with the idea, they locked the borders out on us. And it was like, it's too risky. It's literally too risky to travel at the moment because you might be stuck on the wrong side. They are trialing a thousand Queenslanders to, to do mm. this home quarantine. And that's because they've got no hotel rooms for them. Even if they wanted to pay their $3,000 and go there, there, there's nowhere to go. Mm. I just, you just can't, I just, I don't know what the solution is. I actually don't. I'm not, 
there's not enough people around me giving me lots of really good advice to say this is the best solution. But what we've got now isn't sustainable. No. And um, I often think about the hospitality and kind of just entertainment industries. Yeah. And one of the problems I imagine they're getting at the moment is lack of certainty. Yeah. Um, and it's not just certainty coming from government, it's certainty coming from consumers. Because, I mean, being able to plan a month in advance, so being able to guarantee a certain amount of revenue in a month's time is very valuable to business. Mm. And mm. at the moment, they're probably getting maybe on a weekly basis. Um, because I know as, as a consumer myself, I'm not booking more than that. I'm not thinking no. a week in advance because of all the uncertainty the consumer faces. Well, you're certainly so, not spending the money you would normally spend on doing it. That's no. the other thing. You're not spending $300 on a, um, you know, splendor in the grass ticket or whatever no. they cost. You know, you might, like I've booked tickets to do mini putt-putt on Halloween evening at, you know, Victoria Park Halloween night. But it cost me thirty bucks, and I'm willing to give, you know, I'm willing to throw it away. If I can't go, that's fine. But if it was a hundred dollars, I wouldn't have booked. So yeah, there's there's a price right. point for people to say, no, actually, it's too expensive for me to to book ahead. And that price point might be thirty, it might be five, it might be five hundred. But there's a price point for everyone. And I think you're right. The 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 companies that are bringing um, entertainment to us, it's just too risky. You don't know whether people are going to purchase a tax or enough people are going mm. to purchase. And then mm -hmm. when they do, you don't know whether the crowds are going to go from 100% to 75 to 50 to 25. And and then you have to give all their money back. That's exactly right. I mean, I know a performer who's recently moved to Melbourne, but he had a string of shows in Brisbane. And um, I didn't really understand what happens in the music industry, but the way he was explaining it to me was um, you will get funding from an investor of some description uh, in order to pay all the upfront costs um, to book various venues. Okay. Um, and then you recoup it when you yeah. sell. Yeah, you name an investor for the, for the moment in time, yeah. Yep, and they front all the money and then you sort of pay it back when the shows get, you, know, mm. you collect mm. the money with the tickets, but you don't hand the money over until the show mm. happens. Um, one of the problems they're also having is even if they are able to do the show, they're not even able to afford to put it on in the first place, even if they were to get the tickets. So because the investors aren't willing to put the money in, in the, at the start. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's a lack of confidence to invest. And, and we're seeing that in, um, in employment as well. There's a reason why this quarter had a negative growth. Mm. We, just, we just don't have confidence at the moment. Which is again the reason why keeping the borders shut, keeping not not giving options to people who are fully vaccinated, is 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 causing less confidence. You know, my my stepdad uh, works in the Gold Coast, almost purely driving tourists around to the different tourist tourist destinations in in the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, I don't know how much work he gets, but he could probably count the number of jobs in the last two months on one hand. You know, and he, his, his, his lifestyle has been decimated by, and I just can't imagine how many more people are like that. 
you know, it's easy for us. We're a law firm. We we give law legal advice no matter what. The courts are always open. People are always going to be in conflict. There's always issues out there. Happy days. What about, you know, what about those guys who whose jobs depend on the tourist industry? I just wonder how many of these tourist destinations we've got all over Queensland have just gone, how the hell are we so open? Let's take Birdsville, for example. Mm. Birdsville takes their entire annual revenue during the Birdsville races. That's it. That is, that is, is, they're open for the rest of the, I don't know if you've ever been to Birdsville, but all the shops, all the shops. There's the two shop. or three shops that, yeah, there's, there's a bakery, there's a, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a there's a pub, yeah, um, yeah. So there, there's not much there, but the shops that are open or the things that are open are open for the rest of the year because they can afford to be open because they take all their income for the virtual races. Mm. Two years in a row, those virtual races have been cancelled. Two years of income. Yeah. How do they survive? It's just, they must just have very little in liability. Um, but if but, they want to pay, put the power on, who cares for that? How do I get the money for that? I just, you know, even if you fire all your staff and you're just sitting there in the bakery on your own, by the way, the bakery is awesome, but, you, you, you know, even if you're sitting there on your own, mum and dad making the pies to people who obviously aren't coming, but, you know, in hope. I just, what if, what if you're the, the, um, the Pink Hotel out at, on the other side, you know, near um, near um, uh, Cooper PD. Oh, what the hell? What, what are you going to do? I just, I just don't know what happens to these people. I can only, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but you have to think that there are quite a lot more hardship programs on offer right. than than we are certainly aware of. Because, I mean, unfortunately, businesses don't run far too differently to the way people operate with their finances, which it's really, I'm going to say paycheck to paycheck, but for business, Mm. it's really Mm. pay period Mm. to pay period. Mm. Um, And, I mean, you miss a couple of them and then that's really it. Um, So (laughs) they must just be, they must be getting significant hardship. And yeah, so I think um, yeah, I think the moral of the story is none of this is sustainable at the moment. I mean, I know that we're very derogative towards other countries that are just going back, and yes, they're still having COVID cases, but they've got high high levels of vaccination and they're just getting back to normal. Because actually, what is the alternative here? Well, I've always said this, which is, if we don't open up, then then when? Mm. Because I don't think a single person in Australia wants to continue this forever. Uh, I, I, I simply don't think so. Um, and they won't accept anything less. Um, so if we're not doing it then, um, what else is there to do? I mean, we, we actually don't have anything else. Um, but we, we, one of our, one of our um, exports is education. If we can't bring people here, how are we going to do that? One of our exports is um, tourism. If we're not doing oh. tourism, how the hell, well, how, where, where, where are we going to get growth? Yeah, well, uh, all, all our eggs are in the energy and resource basket, really. Which, which you know, we've is got... increasingly we, unpopular. 
Well, it's unpopular and it's unsustainable in many ways. You know, I'm not going to get into that argument. I'll have a thousand people emailing me that I'm the evil person. But uh, on, on a different note, I'm going to, I think I'm going to call this because we could do this all day long. Yeah. And uh, I think next podcast, we're going to talk about this, uh, this madman bed that's uh, going on with you, Chris. <laughs> well, I've currently ordered a shaver, but it's it's lost in the post at the moment. So I might just have to go to like... <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna turn into a giant bushman. Who's that? Um, who's that celebrity that does uh, gardening? Who has this kind of oh, big bush Costa. Bed? Costa is his name. <laughs> is uh, are you starting to think that you're going to be emanating after after a gentleman like him? Or oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, if, this is the first time I've ever had a beard, so oh, okay, okay. We'll um, see how far it goes. I'm also incredibly impulsive when it comes to these sort of things. So like, <laughs> there's every chance I just wake up one night and just it's over. Is it? going it's dead gone new thing new next you know so well, that perhaps perhaps is a podcast for another day chris and his big bushy beard <laughs> on this note instead of embarrassing him we will call it and uh thank you everyone for listening and watching to the, the lawcast and we will see you in two weeks all right see you everyone